welcome to Dinner Tonight Atlanta. I'm your host, Susan Cooper, and I haven't been with you in a few days. It's supposed to be a daily podcast, but I put the podcast on hold during this COVID-19 pandemic because I couldn't keep up with which restaurants are still open, which restaurants are doing to-go orders or pickup orders, and I just needed to take a moment to assess the situation and see how to move forward. We will come back to a daily podcast again, I promise, but for now, we're going to change up the format a little bit. I'm going to be talking to a few different foodies around Atlanta and um, some thought leaders in the, the Atlanta restaurant community and figure out how we can all support our Atlanta restaurants and food service workers. So today I have with me co-hosting Mickey Desai, and he is uh, my co-host on the other podcast that we do together called Inclusion Catalyst. Mickey, you want to say hello? Hello, everybody. With us, we have a guest named Brian Schroeder, and he is the executive director of The Giving Kitchen. Hey, Brian. Hey, guys. And it's kind of funny. Brian actually lives a couple blocks away from me, but here we are social distancing, and so we're talking (laughs) via Zoom. Uh, The perfect spring day to be hanging out and chatting in the backyard, so this is extra sad. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's all all kind of surreal. The weather is beautiful, and yet we look at the news, and it's just not looking good at all. Yes. So um, I've mentioned the Giving Kitchen before on Dinner Tonight Atlanta and all the great work they do. They've been helping food service workers for a long time. Brian, do you want to just sort of give a brief overview of what you guys do if people don't know about you and specifically what you guys are doing during this crisis? Yep. Uh, So Giving Kitchen provides emergency assistance to food service workers. We do that in two distinct ways. We have a financial assistance program for people who are sick, injured, have had a death in the family or a housing crisis because of a flood or a fire. Uh, we also have a program we call Stability Network, and it uh, essentially, you know, food service workers live in a world of their own. This is our opportunity to in- connect food service workers who are in crisis, but maybe they don't qualify for our financial assistance to resources in their community like housing, food, you know, finance, um, social sh- services, family services. And so over the last Six years, we've provided about $3.3 million in financial aid. Wow. Um, and for uh, connecting people to community resources, like a hard referral, altogether we've helped about 4,000 food service workers in crisis, with most of that work happening over the last two years. With COVID-19 specifically, if you are, if you, well, first of all, I would say 99% of food service workers are unemployed. But essentially, if you're unemployed and 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 you have an illness, an injury, a death in the family, um, or a housing crisis because of a flood or fire, we're, we encourage you to apply for our financial assistance program. Um, in the last 10 days, we've provided about $45,000 in financial assistance, including eight or nine people who are either COVID positive or soon to be confirmed COVID positive, or a few restaurant workers. One just had a transplant. And his, the doctor said, you have to, under no circumstances, do you need to see anyone else in the outside world? And one other person just had a lung operation and they were sent home under doctor's quarantine. But on top of that, it was about 25 other people ranging from uh, lymphoma diagnosis, someone who's a survivor of a domestic assault, car crashes, uh, two, two different chefs who had to bury uh, their brother. Uh, two different chefs that their mother passed away, one chef whose dad passed away, and now he's caring for his elderly mom. 
uh, two women who had hysterectomies. I mean, this is, I mean, the way I've described it, I mean, everybody's in trouble right now uh, in food service. We're helping the people who are really, really in trouble uh, mm-hmm. and, you know, who have a crisis that goes beyond just being unemployed. But, but for the unemployed food service worker, the best way we're able to provide help is what, that, what we talked about earlier was a stability network. So this is, you know, we have a specific um, resource right now. It's givingkitchen.org slash COVID-19. Um, we have, we're updating that website daily with um, lots of different information about how to, how to protect yourself, how to file for unemployment, how to get, you know, assistance with, you know, housing, finance, um, stuff for your families. Um, and t- over 25,000 people have visited that website since we launched it uh, about 14 days ago. Wow. Yeah, I've heard you, you, you know, in your description, you said these things and. Yeah. <laughs> And I've heard you mention, you know, there's, there's things that you can't do. If you, if you tried to help every food service worker in the state, there's no way that Giving Kitchen alone could, could shoulder that burden. Yeah, it, there was, I mean, last week there was a real emptiness for us because, you know, there's all these people who are finding out they're laid off. There are all these people who are, who are really desperate for help. And our message was, listen, we, we can only do what we can do. Um, there's people who, if we tried to be unemployment for 400,000 people, uh, we would fail so spectacularly that we would also fail the people who are counting on us. And, you know, there was about a seven day lag between, you know, our messaging and communicating that with the community. And when all the, all the people who've gotten through at this point for a financial award and now all the checks are in the mail, um, and I tell you, it, it felt really good to put those checks in the mail today because we all felt a, a sense of um, just unbelievable heartache and pain and even guilt that we couldn't do more. But now, now that we're starting to see the results, uh, 32 people, $45,000. And that's not, I mean, we're not done. This is just the beginning. This is going to be something we update every single week. Uh, the amount of funds that we've distributed and the number of people who we've helped and I, I know in my heart of hearts that if we had tried to do anything but be the giving kitchen uh, and, and, and do anything but stick to our uh, mission, that we would have failed. Like we would have completely failed, and the people who are getting support today would not have gotten any support at all. If I may ask, how do you do your fundraising? Um, so we overnight have completely changed our fundraising model. Um, we were an organization uh, that serve food service workers that I would say 75% of our funding came from someone or a company or an individual who's directly involved in food service. Uh, some of the big broadline distributors doing lots of uh, restaurant based programming, lots of stuff with breweries and distilleries. And overnight we've become an organization that is supported by the community. I mean, the game is on for giving kitchen in two ways. One is to, is to do our work uh, at this elevated level. We've got 20 times the amount of people year over year asking for help. Uh, four times the amount of people who we think will qualify for financial assistance. And it, it's time for us to deliver and tell our story. And then after that, um, you know, we have to really begin, we have to become a donor, donor supported organization. And it's not that we took it for granted. Um, it's just not who we were. Our, our, our organization started at a fundraiser. We were a fundraiser for a young man named Ryan Heidinger who had cancer. And, you know, they raised so much money that his family said, well, we want to do something more than just, you know, collect this money on Ryan's behalf. Or Ryan said, I, I want to do more than just collect this money. And um, to get, that's how Giving Kitchen was born. We were born at a party. We were born with industry people all around us. We were born uh, supported by restaurants and, and beer companies and distilleries. And, you know, this is the big test. 
Um, it's executed the highest level we've ever been asked to execute on, tell our story in a, just an incredibly clear and effective way. And then to the people who are supporting us and to the people who will support us, make sure they feel thanked and welcomed. They understand that, you know, the, the service we provide are, are vital to our community. I think if we do that, it's going to be fine. And, and you know what, the restaurants are going to come back online in the next, you know, full, fully back on within the next six months and the next 12 months, the next 18 months. And what we're going to be sitting with is a complete organization that is effective at fundraising uh, with individuals and effective at fundraising with uh, food service partners. As just sort of someone who is a foodie, how can people support restaurants directly? You know, you're somebody who, who loves to go out to restaurants, who, you know, loves great food. In addition to, to having people donate to Giving Kitchen, obviously, what, what do you think people should, should be doing to support Atlanta restaurant workers? Um, yeah, so I've had a lot of people call and ask and just said, hey, please be honest. Where, where's my, where should my money go? Um, and really, it, it's up to you. And it's honestly, if, if, you can, if you can support multiple agencies, there's a lot of work happening in our community right now. Um, if you want to support restaurant workers who are either underemployed or unemployed immediately, like cash in their pocket today, uh, find a GoFundMe at a restaurant you trust that is explicit about how those funds will be distributed. Um, and if you find one and it's a restaurant that you love and, and shares your values and you love their, their, you have a bond, give to that GoFundMe. If you are worried about where the restaurant worker who was laid off in the past two weeks, where they're going to get a meal, you should support the Atlanta Community Food Bank um, or the United Way. If you are concerned about a food service worker who has cancer, a food service worker who has a broken leg, food service worker who just lost a family member, or a food service worker who, whose house or apartment burned down, uh, not just today, not just tomorrow, but over the next few weeks, the next few months, and for the foreseeable future, that's the role Giving Kitchen is going to play um, in helping to take care of those, those people. So, you know, I know that's a long and complicated answer, but I think a part of it too is, is you know, every person who listens to this podcast, you're now deputized to be part of Giving Kitchen. Um, you know, look after the food service workers who are your friends and family. Uh, Venmo them. Don't be afraid to Venmo, Venmo someone directly. They're not going to ask you for it. But if you know someone who is laid off or someone who's a bartender or a waitress, uh, there is no shame in the game right now in terms of putting some extra walking cash in their pocket because that's what's going to help them pay rent or help them put groceries on the table. Um, and, you know, also take care of yourselves. This is an incredibly stressful time. This is a time when, um, you know, we feel like, you know, what's, what's even tomorrow going to be like, what's next week going to be like. So I was actually on a podcast earlier today with John T. Edge of the Southern Foodways Alliance. And he was like, well, how are you making it through this? And I was like, you know, um, I keep thinking about this summer. I'm going to have, it's going to be 103 degrees outside. I'm going to have my feet in the sand on the Flint river in middle Georgia. And I'm going to eat the biggest, fattest, juiciest tree ripened peach. <laughs> and I, I have been thinking about that peach almost every day. And when it comes, I'm <laughs> just cry. <laughs> so, so like, assuming that 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 peach is ripe in July, do you think that you're going to have to be by yourself eating that peach? I I hope not. Um, I mean, I think you know. I, I I mean, anyone who says the words, I'm not a health policy expert, but should really just shut up. Um, but you know, I'm not. Thank you. <laughs> I'm not a health policy expert, but. Um, you know, it's just kind of been on, um, we're going to learn a lot about ourselves in the next few weeks. We're going to learn a lot about this virus in the next few weeks. Mm -hmm. And 
and it, you know, it may just be me uh, alone in the sand on the Flint River, um, but I hope it's not. And I hope that actually I get to be close enough friends and we're not six feet apart, but we're, we've all been tested. We all understand who, who's had it, who hasn't, and what the risks are. Mm-hmm. Well, the Flint River is a nice place to sit back and just take it easy for a while. I think you're going to appreciate that. And I hope you do have some good company when that happens. Um, but I wanted to underline again that, the, that what we're looking at is not just displaced workers, right? What we're looking at is something way more serious about the fabric of, of who is, we as a city tend to be. You know, Atlanta is very much a food-oriented town. Uh, the number of restaurants we have is, is, I think, larger per capita than most other metropolitan areas. And we're, we're talking about supporting the folks who make those dining experiences possible. Um, and that's just the start of it. Would you, would, would you say that that's not right, Brian? I, that's correct. And, you know, I think that, you know, some people have had to make some really tough choices. And what I think a lot of people don't realize is how much is happening behind the scenes, both from a, how we're going to take care of our staff perspective to how can we work together with local pu- public policy leaders and local ele- elected officials to loosen restrictions and to delay tax payments. I mean, that people are throwing the book at this just to really to keep restaurants solvent. Um, and, you know, some have had to make the really hard choice to um, close down and lay off their employees because they want to make sure their employees can get unemployment. Um, and, and then there's also some that have made a choice to lay off most of their employees and they're going to ch- continue to try um, really just for the sake of, of their employees to, to re- do takeout and carry out. Um, you know, I, I've talked to several, I've talked to a lot of people, I've fielded a lot of phone calls from restaurant owners and leadership in the past couple of weeks. And one of the things that it's kind of an epiphany was, I mean, restaurants at this point aren't restaurants anymore. They're, they're nonprofits. Uh, and everything about how you engage with people who are dining and tipping needs to change. Um, those are your donors. They're not your customers. And, you know, cause it, you know, a lot of people are buying a pizza and leaving a $50 tip. They're buying a meal for their family. They're leaving a thousand dollar tip. And if that ever happened and you were, uh, you know, during normal times, you would never call that person and say, thank you. You would never write them a thank you note. You would never uh, follow up the way you would if you were a nonprofit who gets a gift. And I've really put a bug in a lot of uh, the people who I consider peers. Treat every person who dines at your restaurant like a donor. Call them to tell them thank you. Send them a text message. Send them an email. Uh, because what, what they're doing by e- eating out and tipping big, they're helping you pay your employees. They're helping for people to be able to pay the rent. They're helping people be able to eat. And um, it's a total paradigm shift. We're in, mm-hmm. we're in the upside down world right now in food service. And I really hope that within the next few weeks or months, uh, we're able to at least in some fashion flip back uh, to, to normalcy or a version of normalcy we're going to have to get comfortable with uh, for probably, a, you know, a year or 18 months. Yeah, I agree. As a restaurant, as a customer experience, people used to go to restaurants for the experience of it, not just the food, but just the act of, of yeah. dining in a restaurant and being social. And now it, with it, it all being takeout 100%, People are, yes, they're tired of cooking at home, but they're consciously going out and the restaurant they choose is because they want that restaurant to survive. It's not just because, oh, I'm craving a pizza today. It's I am making a conscious effort to put my money in these people to support this particular restaurant. And so I I agree with you that the, the relationship has to completely change 
um, or the restaurant is well, not going to survive. And I think the ones who and the ones who who pivot are going to be the ones who are the most successful. Um, mm -hmm. The one they're going to be the ones who who are going to get customers back. And you know, I think that you know what we're learning now and the the muscle we're building now in food service, the restaurants that are that are open or the restaurants that are closed, but they're paying close attention. Um, we're learning. There's a lot that we're learning about right now that's going to be applicable over the next, uh, probably unfortunately over the next year. Mm -hmm. And so um, I think there's a lot that we're learning now that's going to really be a part of our, our short-term future uh, in food service. And who knows? But I do, what I do know is that it's a unprecedented level of, of generosity, um, camaraderie, support. Um, you know, I, I don't know what's happening in other cities. Um, one of the things I've always said about Giving Kitchen is that a nonprofit doesn't change a city, but I do think the city changed, changed when it created Giving Kitchen. Um, I, I genuinely believe that when the city of Atlanta and the food industry in Atlanta came together to make the organization that it is the Giving Kitchen today, um, that it, it, it changed us. And I think that the, the, the food scene today is better prepared for COVID-19 than before they created Giving Kitchen because I think we're running the same channels um, and the same leadership um, and, and the inspiration that, that comes from helping to create something like Giving Kitchen is, is really paying off uh, for the food service community today. And that's not any credit to me or, or the Giving Kitchen team. It really is just an example of when you come together once for a cause greater for, than yourself, you realize uh, it's, it's, actually pretty easy to come together for a cause that's great greater than yourself when you have something like this global pandemic that we're dealing with well i think in the end of this we'll be able to turn around and say this is what makes atlanta great i agree i hope so well on that note i think i think that's a good good place to sort of wrap up this conversation on a positive note and uh we might do it again here in a couple of weeks see how things shake out <laughs> <laughs> happy, happy to do another update we're uh, we'll have numbers to share every week um that, that can be around Thursday, Friday. Okay. For anyone who's listening who wants to make a donation to Giving Kitchen, go to givingkitchen.org. There's a pop-up right there about their COVID response. And I know that I've been sharing on social media, on Facebook and Instagram, there's a few resources of people who are collecting Venmo addresses for various servers and bartenders sharing information on how to get in touch with your favorite, your favorite restaurant workers that you can search to donate to them directly. So if you'll go to Facebook and look up Dinner Tonight Atlanta, you can find that. And I will also put links to some of those resources in the show notes for today's episode. Thanks, Brian. This has been good. I've learned a lot today. Yeah, thank you guys. I appreciate the opportunity to kind of share our story and I'm happy to kind of talk about what Giving Kitchen's up to anytime. Thanks. Talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye. All right. Bye.